BS, I was in the classroom. I, 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 I was in I was in the um school at um uh at BS probably three or four times a week. So uh, anyway, that's you, uh I remember I mean obviously I remember when I was at modern day, you come to say mass when I was a right. student, you know, when I was a student. Right. I always remember your haircut. Yeah. <laughs> the Father John hair. Haven't, haven't changed much, has it? <laughs> uh-uh. I mean, you still got it, you know. Yeah. Why, why not? Why not uh, keep keep it the same, you know? Yeah. Don't change don't change uh, the formula. But um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I remember at, uh, seeing you there. I remember how awesome you are with kids and how much, you know, just interaction right here with uh, Jack and Millie. You light up, you know, because you're because you're a kid at heart or something yeah. like that. Well, I do love the kids, no question. The, uh, one of my favorite um, quotes from the Bible is from Matthew. No, no one want to say? What about that? You know, the one I'm think, you know the one I'm thinking of? I would say, let the children come to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and, like, you have to reform yourself to the heart of a child oh, or yeah. enter that's the right. kingdom of heaven. That's, that's right. Unless you're, yeah. unless you're a child, like, you won't go to heaven. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. I mean, I always think that... Uh, Obviously, being a teacher and you know being I mean, engaged to four beautiful kids and stuff, we teach them. But it's it's a definitely a two way street. Yeah, we, we might teach them the X, Y's, and Z's, but they teach us how to live. They teach a lot. They teach yeah. a lot. Yeah, you learn a lot for your kids. You learn a lot, absolutely. So you're over at BS now, and we're live. So it's Father John, Monsignor John Ensler, but everyone knows him as Father John. Um, when did you get that new title, Monsignor? Uh, you know, I, I really have to think about it. It's about 30 years ago, basically. It's a long time back. Uh, may, maybe maybe uh, 25. I was at um, uh, Mercy at the time. So it's sometime after 1990, 94 or so. And, you know, it, it, the Monsignor thing is nice, but it's an honor. Ah, it's a mouthful. Well, well it's, also, it's, it's an honor that, yeah. frankly, a lot of priests deserve and don't get it. So I... I have a little bit of I don't I don't like Monsignor because I think it's it's a it sets us apart from just being a priest. I want to be a priest. Not, I don't need any honors. I don't, I don't need any recognition. To be a priest. And some guys who are not Monsignors are much better priests than I am. So I don't think it has a the significance that it should. Give me sorry. Give me one minute. I got cartoons on in the background. Okay. All right. And also like um, father and, you know, being you, know, you like kids and stuff, father's appropriate. Yeah. Well, you know, there's actually a passage of scripture, you know, Bill, where, where the door says, don't call anyone your father. Don't call anyone. your it's, and, and, and it could don't give people titles. And, and not, not we because we do use that. So it's like, almost the word said it, we do use it. But uh, there's a nice sense of saying you are a priest is like a father, a priest is like a shepherd. A priest is supposed to be doing the work of bringing people close to God. That's why, you know, some of the scandal in the church, some of the terrible things have happened, and some very few people have done it, but it really, really, really hurts us because, you know, we're expected to be above all that and live lives of faithfulness. We're not perfect, but when we really turn away from what's right, we really hurt the church. Yeah, 100%. And uh, <laughs> talk about, like, all eyes on, all eyes are on priests, and all eyes would be on people that um, are ordained and live like, or strive to live the, the holiest and highest life. 
And it's it's unfortunate, maybe part of the human condition, that people want to uh, um, try to uh, tear those or look for flaws in that, and how quickly people will jump on that. Not to not to belittle some of the stuff that's happened with a few of the priests, but um, it's uh, oftentimes people try to tear down those that are, are the highest of virtue. I, well, I think you know. I mean, this, the church speaks for things that. Oh, the world doesn't always agree with. I mean, you know, uh, the church speaks for life always. Some people think that we ought to be more open to abortion, open to uh, euthanasia, but things. The church, the church will speak about sexual mores and say basically you, know, you keep good sexual lives. And, and basically, you know, there's, there's a there's a integrity there. Because we do that, we put ourselves kind of up and saying we think we've got a moral code which we live. When we break the code, any of us break the code, it really negates that message. In fact, I would say the church right now has lost a lot of moral authority. It has lost it. We got to get it back, but we've lost it because people say, why would I listen to that priest or that doctrine when I know that the other part is not always what it should be either? You know, it's, it's not always fair exactly. You're right about people trying to tear it down, but it's also, there's some, there's some truth. The fact is the highest standard has been set the pedestals in place, we have to live it. We have to live it. Yeah, when people start telling you sort of like, not telling, or, or professing, or, or telling you yeah, how, how to live, and this is what right. you should do, and these are the sacraments, these are commandments, don't, don't do this, don't do that, or do this, do that, and then you see them not do it. I mean, they're human. Everyone's human. Right. Everyone's flawed. No one's, no one's Jesus. Jesus is the only perfect right. entity ever to walk. Um, but, uh, and... Yeah, and then they start putting the finger in the other direction, you know. But you know, Bill, you have the same issue as a teacher. Yeah, I mean, same deal. There's no yeah. difference. If yeah, one of you guys, one of you people modern day does something wrong, but whatever, it could be anything. Uh, you know, you, you, you're the, the moral standard. Yeah, that perspective view has been broken. It's not to say again. No one's supposed to be perfect. I think the real issue is is that we're not perfect, but we have to be willing to correct ourselves and keep doing the best we can. I don't profess to be at all close to perfect, but I will say this. I do my best every day. I'll, I promise you that. But and I, and I fail sometimes, but I do my best every single day to be the kind of person I'm called to be. And then I read the uh, Rob Clark's uh, write-up on you for the Zillion Worker. And, and uh, at the, do you still, at the end of the day, um, think about how you helped people? What was the line? How, how, what did I do today to help people, or could I have done yeah. more? So, so, yeah, so at, at, at Catholic Charities, where we have basically we serve about almost 2,000 people a year, we have, about a, we have about 900 employees. And I tell our staff, I say, listen, it's a big job. And, you know, frankly, with that many people, it's changed the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but don't judge yourself how much you did today in terms of what you did that magnificently changed the world. You go to bed at night, ask yourself one question. Did I help somebody today improve their life? Hope you did more than that. But if you did that, go to sleep and, re- and sleep comfortably. I did something today that changed somebody's life or did my best to help somebody's life. And that could be housing. It could be food. It could be a smile. It could be a willingness to sit and listen to somebody. Same for a teacher. Do you, do you make, in your life today with these, how many boys you taught today, somebody be touched by your actions, by your life, for example, is better for it. If you did that, sleep well, baby. Sleep well. <laughs> That's a day well spent. Um, I actually gave, <clears throat> that reminds me, I gave the, uh, eulogy for my grandfather 
um, back in 2003. And one of the lines that I found when I was trying to write was, um, uh, as a as a, like a happy or well-spent day brings well-spent sleep, a well-spent life brings happy death, you know? So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, well done. Yeah. It's uh, absolutely. And then sleep good, get up, do it all over again. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> when I get up, Bill, every morning, what time uh, you get I, up? I, I sleep well. I, when I get up, I got, I got, I got fire in the belly. I do. I want to, I want to do good. I want to do a good job. I, I, I mean, rarely, I mean, like almost like never get up saying, oh, I'm just too tired or, you know, I don't want to go to work today or no, I no, it's, it's, uh, I want to go make a difference today. And it's, that's a gift, frankly, that God gave me the grace from God. It's a God, it's a God given gift. Like I mean, everyone I've had that in different times in my life, um, that you're really excited about whatever you're into and that you might set an alarm, but you wake up before the alarm because you're exactly. so excited about what you end it with the previous day and what you're going to, how you're going to continue that today. Yeah. You know um, and that is a God given sort of the Holy spirit fire. I always think of that, um, that some people, you, me uh, are lucky to have, you know, and, I mean, I also think, I also think it might be, I had this conversation the other day uh, that like, you have like a wick inside of you and it's just waiting to be lit, you know? Um, and you just got to figure out how to light it. You know, everyone, I think everyone has the potential to be like that. I'm not saying that's the paragon, um, of, uh, of what everyone should strive for, but it's, I think it's really important to find that fire that gets you out of bed, um, on your own in the morning. Well, if you know, this past Tuesday, we're right in our daily scriptures, uh, for mass, we're reading from Matthew, uh, five, chapter five up to eight it's was the sermon on the mount yeah and on tuesday we had you are the light of the world mm-hmm. you know you don't put your light in a bushel basket you put it out for people to see that's right and that i love that phrase about you know you gotta light the wick you know because that turns the light on mm-hmm. and then let that light shine let that light shine and that's important we do it well and fire fire is such a symbol throughout the gospels right yeah it's a beautiful thing and if I, I remember when i was at mass down in uh florida in palm beach um, you know this guy Bishop Mulvey? I, I know I know of him. I don't know him well, but I know him, yeah. Right. It's so funny that when I was maybe again like God working in mysterious ways, when I was exploring the faith and coming into the Catholic Church, I was flying down to Florida to visit with my parents over a break. And uh, I sat next to this these two older older gentlemen dressed in black. I was like, you guys, you guys are priests, right? <laughs> or you work for the FBI or something. Um, and uh, they're like, yeah, we're going, we, we, we're retired priests from like Connecticut or Massachusetts, somewhere up there. And uh, they go in, in down to Florida and they hook up with uh, Sacred Heart Parish in Palm Beach and help them say mass and help them with their right. church and everything. Um, and it's such a nice guy, funny guy, um, Mulvey. Yeah. And, uh, I went to I went to mass one time. I think it might have been Easter around that time. He described the flame as as Jesus, and the and the unique element of the flame is it's always changing. It's never the same. Yeah. And uh, but what always remains is that it's 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 there. You know, it doesn't. It's uh, don't let it get blown out. You know. Well, the interesting thing is, I think you know, how, how did the Lord appear in the Old Testament? 
he often appeared as fire. You know, God appeared as fire. You know, when they, they you know, they, they did sacrifices and sacrifices, sacrifice the lamb, whatever, fire. Mm-hmm. It, and it was important to them. And and then in, with, at Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter, how did the Lord appear in two symbols, wind and fire, basically. And you imagine being up in a room and, and this is the Lord's now left them. And, and they're, they're in the same place where the Last Supper took place, mm-hmm. the same place where the Lord first appeared to them after the resurrection. And they're there. And, and all of a sudden, based in this room, doors are locked, it says, windows are shut. They're, they're afraid. Perhaps the Jesus after them. And in that room comes a wind. And the wind's blowing. Imagine we're sitting right here right now talking, and the wind's blowing. And there's, there's, but the door's shut. The windows are shut. Where's it coming from? And then you look above your head, there's a fire. And from that fire come tongues to touch each one of them. And, and, and the idea is so that Jesus, if you will, this is, this is the spirit of Jesus, spirit of God, coming and actually touching the hearts and the heads of those who are his followers. And then they're changed. And we talk about a fire being lit. Peter, who had been afraid, denied the word three times, goes out. The doors are flung open. Winds are flung open. He's out. He starts preaching. He preaches about Jesus who died and rose. It says that 3,000 people became believers that day. Peter speaks. The fire of Jesus to the Holy Spirit. You know, <laughs> wow. You know, unbelievable. I heard, all right, to shift a little bit, but keep on the fire topic, um, that the most important invention of all time, arguably, is fire. Because um, before we knew how early humans knew how to harness fire, they would still eat animals and stuff, but they'd eat it raw. And their stomachs were capable of processing it because they did it over millennia, um, resulting in their stomachs having incredible digestive powers and also double the size of our stomach today. When they realized they could put it over flame, that became like an external stomach such that um, the stomach will over again, millennia atrophied because it didn't need to work as hard so that it shrank about half the size and allowed for the brain to grow about double in size. Maybe I need some of that fire for my stomach. <laughs> I need some help there. <laughs> you know, we're You're all fighting right. that battle against the weight. Maybe that's, that's a problem. The COVID, the COVID 10, I put on about COVID 10, I think. It's yeah, not yeah. because I don't work out, but it's just the, it's this, it's the sedentary, you know, it's just, exactly. you own something that I overlook walking to get in your car, getting in a car, getting out of car, walking into, into the church, just going here and there when you're teaching, you know, trying to herd cats and stuff. Um, but uh, you said that I think during COVID, you got into walking. You did hours yeah. of walks, right? Something like that before dinner. You still right. do that? Well, uh, you know, I had, had open heart surgery last August. Let me do that. And, and, and of course, they want you to walk. And so I was walking a lot. I was walking at least uh, four or five miles a day, and even before after dinner. I was sometimes I couldn't get it all done. I would go half an hour walk and come back to another half hour. And 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 the neighborhood is great over here by Seaforth Avenue. Yeah, a lot of hills. I mean, yeah. you know, too many hills sometimes. So maybe a lot of hills. Yeah. But you know, then after I don't know what happened. Oh, then I had another problem. I had a, my hips started bothering me, so I couldn't walk for a while. So I'm starting to build back up again. So okay. the reality is, I'm not walking four miles. I'm walking closer to maybe. Mile, mile and a half. But yeah. what you said, Bill, earlier though, about you know, what I miss is and I realized this, I was burning off probably um I don't know how many calories, but I was walking 
six, seven, eight thousand steps a day, just normal. And just, 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 you know, just going to church, going to St. Bart's, come back to rectory, you know, going downtown. Well, I, I was probably doing only one or two thousand steps without serious plan to walk. So yeah. you got you to you get it in. Yeah. My so when I played the cross and stuff in college, uh, they had a term. It's called hidden conditioning. Instead of getting on the line and running sprints just to run sprints, they would do these. They do these like these drills that just contained a lot of running in it. You didn't right. really know it, but you're you're burning a lot of cow. You're getting in really good shape. Well, I guess chasing a ball, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I think you know, it's it's always more fun. I mean, walking with somebody else is more fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I like to play tennis still. I'm not playing as much as I used to, but I'm playing. Because why? Because it, it's, you know, you, you, again, you're getting the steps in, you're running. But you're not, um, it's not just, if you will, one line to one line. You, you, yeah. There's, there's, and there's competition, want to win the point. All that yeah. makes a difference. All that makes a difference. You follow, you follow the French Open at all? I have followed a little bit here and there. I understand that um, Djokovic and Nadal are playing this morning, late this morning. That's going to be a big match. Oh, great. Uh, I think, thanks I think for saying that's a, that's a semifinal, I think, not a final, semifinal. So it's, it's worthy of a final, though, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. Nadal's the 11th seed, I believe. Um, he's the king of clay. So He is. He is he'll, I think he'll win again. I think, I think he's, he's so good. <clears throat> what is it about, like, I don't know. You want to see superstars kind of like – almost test the bounds of what it means to be human. You know, I think it's also kind of like a human condition. You want to see the 12 year old like dunk or something crazy, you know, the highest yeah. vertical, the big bench press, the longest drive, um, the tennis player that plays into his fifties, which I don't think really exists at the highest level. Um, but uh, I'm so people love Federer. People, people love Nadal just to take tennis, for example. Um, and it's maybe like they cling to their same thing, maybe with Tiger Woods, like you cling to maybe growing up with them and you don't want them to leave. You know, it's a comfort thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Federer. Federer is now 40 years old. Yeah. He's 40. He's almost at 50. Like you just talked about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but, but they're all, I mean, they're all just, I'm just you know, I, I watch tennis now. Tennis is so different when I was, when I was, when I was a kid, I watched tennis. It was a game where the, you know, the, the, the best athletes were, hit the ball hard, they come to the net and put the ball away within two shots. Mm-hmm. Now it's like a boxing match. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it, I mean it's, like, it's like their body blows. Mm-hmm. You know, bang, 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 bang. And it might take eight, ten, which that's amazes me that these guys have endurance. I mean, I, I couldn't play one point like that. Not one. Mm-hmm. What those guys play. I mean, if I could hit the ball, I, I couldn't. They're, they're just like the body blows. They're back and forth. They run you back and forth. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable mm-hmm. what those guys do. Conditioning, how skilled yeah. they are. We were talking about baseball earlier, just the, how almost across the board, all sports have just re- been refined. You know, like it went for like it went from like an ore to like a like a precious metal. You know, um, even like lacrosse is more my is my sport, and it's like the game now is so much faster, so much more skilled. Yeah, I started in seventh grade, and if I started in seventh grade now, you know, I'd be way behind the ball. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. Um, so, so, so my nephew Billy, he is, he's now he's now married, so three years old. But he he went to St. John's and and he he didn't want to play lacrosse. Just and he played I think one at the end. He played like once. He's a good athlete, but he played maybe senior year. But he went he went to St. Louis University, and out there they didn't have lacrosse. He became one of their best players out there. 
And he, but you know, imagine he started playing when he was in, you know, 10 years old. I mean, he really didn't want to play, <laughs> play football. He didn't want to play. And then all of a sudden, basically, he became kind of a, almost a, it was almost like a club team became a, a, a varsity sport. But still, you know, it's just game you got to start early. You got to play all the time. Same with tennis. Yeah. You got to start. You don't start early. I, I started when I was in, in, in late high school, late, late grade school. You got to start early. Well, I think that's kind of a, a vote for, um, exposing the kids to as many sports as possible when they're young, because you never know what it's almost like it, sh- it, it should be a kind of responsibility, not just sports, but just like as just a varied life, a cult as best you can a cultured uh, life, like a Whitman sampler and to find the chocolate that they like the most in a, in a way, yeah. and then yeah. foster that, you know, well, said than done, you know? But, yeah. One of the things about, you know, about, about COVID, I think is that a lot of people are deciding and maybe for maybe for families, it's good. We, we can't do all these sports. You know, I, I, I read the other day an article about a mother who said, you know, I love the fact I'm home for dinner with my kids. I'm not driving over the place, basically. And we have, you know, the kids are involved in one sport per season. You know, and a lot of times you get kids involved in two or three sports. So I, I agree with what you're saying, though. The more, the better. And that's how I grew up with, you know, because it was by season. You played football in the fall. You played basketball in the winter. You played baseball in the summer. You played tennis. And that's, it was four or five sports. Now, you know, almost like sometimes by 12 years old, 11 years old, 10 years old, okay, concentrate on this. This is your sport. It's kind of, you, you've lost that, uh, that, that sense of experience other things as well. Yeah, it's a, it should be a recreation. It should help you point to, uh, you know, getting yourself to, I love the phrase, get, get to heaven, you know. Yep. They're all stepping stones. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, look, I just t- again, let's t- take lacrosse, like, but if you can focus and become a really good like attackman and something like that, you could get a scholarship in college that could help with the family's financials. So, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you see it from both sides. Yeah. I but, agree. I, but I think sometimes people might overlook the fact that, you know, if you're playing the cross in the spring, you play football in the fall, they're going to, they're going to, it's a rising tide will lift all boats, you know? Yeah. One yeah. Benefit yeah. The other. You talk about getting in shape, you know. I, mean, I think about it, somebody like, 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 like Luke um, McCallum, you know, you know, Luke, 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 Luke yeah, yeah, you know, who, who, who's great, great football player at Gonzaga. I think he ended up playing mostly um, lacrosse at Brown, but you know, it's a great athlete and basically, but football in high school and lacrosse, I think, helped each other become a better athlete. You know, it, it became better, but now, and, and get to college level now, maybe you have to make more focus. But uh, that's a great young kid and a great he's out now. You know, I think he's with the Marines. I think he's getting for the Marines. Um, he's just going to, going to, to I think, to boot camp, whatever. So he's um. I taught kid. him uh, taught him eighth grade history, maybe. Um, and when he graduated, <coughs> excuse me, I, I don't know if he's still into fly fishing, but uh, I gave him this book. Uh, the, probably the movie is more famous than the book. A river runs through it. I love that movie. Love that movie. It's such yeah. a good movie. And how it's narrated by Robert Redford. Yeah. In the beginning, it's like the water washes over the rocks and on the bottom of the rocks, you know, it's the voice of God. And, and then there's a river runs. It's just a magical movie. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I had some friends in at, at Montana. Mm. And basically, I um I actually um saw that when the movie was shot. You know, you know, just beautiful, beautiful water. I mean, it's just it's beautiful in the in, in person, as it was, of course, in the movie, just gorgeous. It wasn't just cinematic skills. It was uh, just 
this is spectacular. The actual land in, in <clears throat> independent of the camera is, uh, speaks yeah. for itself, you know? Exactly. Good stuff. And oftentimes when you get <clears throat> something on film, it, you, know, you can't really capture it, you know? But uh, now the technology is pretty good. Ever try to take a picture of the moon? <laughs> How's yeah. that go? It doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, well, moon. harvest moon, let's take a picture. Doesn't work. Yeah, Sometimes right. just an hour in such a click sort of culture that you uh, you want to get it on your phone, but then you sort of lose the in the moment sort of experience, you know? Um, but it's in it's in here, you know? Yeah. So, but how many times you put things in here and you don't really actually go back and look at them, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I've been on many trips um, over the years. I've led trips to, you know, to Europe, to the Holy Land, to Australia. I have pictures. I never look at them. <laughs> I, I, I put them aside. It gives me, oh, this one I get old. Well, I'm not, I guess, you know, I'm getting old, but I just, you know, I just, I never look at them. I shouldn't. I did a little bit during COVID. Yeah. I did a little bit during COVID. Not really enough. You know, just so. It's kind of like, you know, that was a respite, but uh, so I've actually stopped taking pictures because because I, I finally taking pictures. You're worried about the picture. I want to get the whole panorama and I might, might buy a postcard for one, but I'm not going to spend all my time honing in on this. <clears throat> you basically miss out on, as you say, the beauty of the whole panorama. The full picture. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, a counter to that would be, might be, um, I, <clears throat> I'm pretty like one of my rituals is, at the turn of the calendar year, uh, usually December, January, I'm usually down and uh, I'm on vacation, usually uh, visiting my mom in Florida. And any vacation gives you some time to, to take, step back and reflect. And on the airplane, on the airplane down, um, I usually grab my phone and look back at all the photos from the past year. I love um, it. And I might have four on this source and I delete the ones that are just re- repeats and uh, put a little folder into the ones that I might want to actually print out. Um, and then you just relive the year <clears throat> through the photos. Um, it's just kind of fun. That's a neat thing. That's, that's a great thing. fun thing. And you, then you look at and then you think about your life and you're like, all right, December back in March, I was doing this. How did I feel then, you know, about X, Y, and Z, my job or my personal life. How do I feel now? You know, have I made progress? You know, I remember having this thought in, in April. Well, did I act on that thought or, uh, you know, maybe it was the wrong thought. Anyway, it's a good re- reflection, I think. Nice thoughts. Nice thing. That's good. Yeah. 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 Um, so talk to me. So what are, you, what are you doing today? You're heading downtown Catholic Charities to your headquarters? So, uh, today I, I was going to um, actually go down early. I was actually going to hopefully meet you down here for a while. At yeah. One point. No yeah. Problem. Another then time. Gonna, no, no problem. Then I was going to spend some time with, with this that Zoom call, which you could have done downtown or done here, with uh, mm-hmm. Luminous Health at the Doctor's Hospital. And uh, we have a we have a, a partnership with them. We've got a thing called the Mona Center, where they've actually got a, a, a medical clinic in one of our buildings down in Camp Springs. Mm-hmm. And we all we have dental there. We have pro bono legal, pro bono immigration law. So it's a it's one of our centers, but they're they're that's why I joined with this board because to keep that relationship strong. Uh, and then I, after that, I've got um, Actually, I have somebody who's worked for us for years. She's been in charge of called St. Therese for Life. And it's Michelle Williams, and she's going to retire today. For years, she's been with us. And frankly, her ministry has saved lots of babies because these are women who come to us who don't know what to do when they can't afford a baby. The most Latino, they can't afford a baby. They, they, they don't have to get pregnant by surprise. They're, 
whatever. And they, and they you know, they got options, but the options are worse than one. Uh, but we find a way to give them what they need in terms of medical help, certainly, but also, uh, you know, basic uh, financial stuff to keep them going. So I don't know how many babies she saved and helped over the years, how many mothers, but uh, it's, I bet it's in the thousands that she's helped with her, with her effort. And um, she's retiring today, so do that. And I'm going to have a tour of the library, Martin Luther King Library. I've been waiting for that for a while because we want to partner with them. They're across the street from our office. So we're on G Street. Martin Luther King Library was right across the street from us. And there's going to be some great partnership there. We're going to have a dinner next uh, Wednesday night for the homeless. It's a cookout. And I've, I've talked to them about having this dinner under their, um, their portico. They've got a, a, a portico or basically an overhang in front of the library. It's probably um, 20 feet deep, maybe 25 feet deep. And if it rains or snows, when it's hot. It's hard to have dinners because it's so, you know, these are homeless people that give them a wonderful meal, but they got to eat on the curb, or they got to eat on some step, they got to eat leaning against a building. So this is important to me today to make the relationship with the library stronger so that we can hopefully work out a long-term deal as it work, as it proceeds to say, okay, we're going to be here maybe every holiday, hopefully eventually every Wednesday. The meal will be here with tables set up with people to sit down and enjoy the chance to have a decent meal in the company of um, their friends. So it's important. I think, I think it's very important. Um, breaking bread around a table is uh, a part of a community, obviously. Um, it's, uh, I mean, there's a reason why families have family dinners. Um, yeah. It's, it's so important to do that instead of being in front of a TV, just to talk about your day and tell a joke or tell a story. Um, and then that inevitably, I think the, how the brain works can jump to something else that, that someone wants to talk about and probably wouldn't have talked about if we weren't sitting around the table. And that could be a really important thing. Or it could be trivial, you know, but uh, you never know. Uh, but I think we are all social creatures um, in that we that's the thing about COVID. You know, it's I think it's so um, anti-human to be isolated. Um, yeah. I think it's in our God created um, template to be around other people for us to be our best selves. And what you're doing with the homeless to allow them to sit among their peers um, and eat and tell stories and talk. You never know what might come of it. It might organically, it right. might organically solve some of their woes just by talking with other people without even your direct intervention. Correct. Correct. Well, you know, a, what, one of the principles of social justice, the dignity of every human person and the dignity of every human life. And, you know, people think we're talking about them. We're talking about, you know, uh, some major, uh, you know, political or moral issue. Now, I'm talking about just the way we treat people. Every person has dignity. So when I walk downtown, and I notice people sitting against the wall, or I notice people basically sitting on a grate, wait, because they're trying to keep warm. These are real people, these are human beings. But we walk by them as if they're a piece of brick. We walk by them as just another rock over, they're just an inanimate object. And you know, what if we, that you just said about, you can actually sit down and talk, or be talked to, or be, you know, listen, it's um it's so human. I mean, I worry about, you know, frankly, with, with you know, with, with the Eucharist, we're coming back to church, uh, you know, pretty soon in terms of uh, getting back everybody, we're, we're getting better and better at it. But basically, I'm at, at my first full mass modern day 
the last mass of the year. That was just a week ago. It's the first time we're all together for in, in, over, in over a year. And that was great. We were doing a lot by Zoom before that. But the reality is, is that community and church as well, you know, watching, t- watching the mass live stream, it's good, but not as good as being together and having the experience of going through the Eucharist. I mean, imagine, that, imagine the last supper was by live stream. You know, basically, you know, the Lord did it. All these people, you know, were, oh, there's somebody in Capernaum, there's somebody over there. You know, it's being together. And it's and it's the actual receiving of the body, you know. Exactly. Without without that, there's no there's no Catholic Church, right? You're right. I mean, it's 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 harder. Harder I believe, absolutely. Yeah. But without the the essence of the liturgy of the Eucharist, the liturgy of the Word kind of uh carried the torch through the COVID, you know. Well we, we made it through, but Prayer. now back. Say it again. We made it through, but now it's time to come back. So I think what's gonna happen, I think, you know, I am worried about, you know, uh, the younger generation, I think that they don't have the same uh, roots that come with, you know, a, a number of years of, of practicing this faith. I I I'm I'm not saying I hope that they'll get that experience. I hope the modern day for instance continue to Give, give them that basic, basic, uh, you know, ex- experience of church religion, so that they'll be part of their life forever. I think it does, by the way. Well, I mean, modern, great. modern day, modern day uh, couldn't be any more popular right now. Um, yeah. So yeah. people yearn for that experience, the Catholic education, um, traditional educational model, um, with the with again with the Catholic leading at the front of it. Um, so and all we can do, you, me, who uh, whoever believes in this sort of philosophy lifestyle, is uh, just to keep keep doing what we're doing, you know. Yeah. Keep going to bed and realizing that you help lives and and living living the mission. Yeah, you you you, you went to St. Parts Billy for a while, and and, and you'd, be, you'd be shocked to see that the school it was once probably maybe three or four kids. Went down to 140 two years ago. We almost had a close. I remember we, that. But it wasn't making it financially. We have 184 people now registered for next year. So it went from 140, a year and a half, whatever. And basically, the school is on great feet right now, great, great, great foundation. And the good news is, is that you just said about it's Catholic, it's right. community. It's value based. Others, so we're real excited about that. And that's true of a lot of local mercy at the same experience. I think little fires experience. Not all of them, but many of our local Catholic schools during COVID, when public schools closed or weren't able to keep up with it with, with demand because of size, Catholic schools did a great job. And now most of them are most of them are are. are um, Raise the bar, which is great. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's one of the one of the odd sort of uh, positive things that comes out of a, a large negative thing. You know, yeah. like, there's always there's a, there's a I think the I think the whole the universe maybe even is full of uh, opposites, and that might yeah. that might help for everything to stay together. <laughs> you know, but, but whenever you see a good thing, there's probably going to be a downside. Whenever there's a bad thing, there's probably going to be a, uh, almost without a doubt. You know, you got, you, got, you got to look for those things with something good. You got to be careful not to be, if you will, get on that high mountain and forget there's people owe you that basically are need help. And on the other hand, when you, when you see the bad things, you say, 
it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to make a difference. You know, basically, you know, we for Catholic education, who would nobody wanted the pandemic? Nobody wanted that. It will still suffer, but what do we gain from it? Maybe we gained a whole other appreciation for the gift we have, which is modern day St. Bart's teaching good, solid Catholic values. Amen. Um, I got a few hard questions for you, so buckle okay. up. All right. Okay, go on. Okay. What was your favorite food when you were a child? Uh, actually, hamburgers, cheeseburgers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love them. Love them. Still high. Still high on those. Uh, actually, um, I'd rather a cheeseburger than a, than a steak. <laughs> With I ketchup or plain or some dressing or something. Uh, a little ketchup, maybe, but just you know, I just uh, I got with you on that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, frankly, I'm not the most, I'm not the best example of good eating because I, because I eat on the run all the time. Mm-hmm. Not on the run in terms of fast food restaurants, but I mean, but I, I like to walk in my kitchen here. What I can, I, what can I grab and eat and walk out again? I, yeah. I, I'm not generally, and it's not good. I don't just sit down and eat. I yeah. generally, if, if, even I eat standing up. Now, if I got a meal to go to, of course. So, so anyway, um, I enjoy the, um, I enjoy burgers. It's always been good. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite song or band? Well, you know, when I was growing up, it was the Beatles, basically. Mm-hmm. And and the song I loved for the Beatles was "Yesterday." Uh, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful song, basically just talking about it's a, almost also a melody. I think Paul McCartney sang it. So that you know, I, I was I was in and when the Beatles came out, it was it was nineteen sixty eight. No, I'm, yeah, sixty eight. And, and I'm sorry, it was it was uh, sixty three. And I, I was in high school. I was a junior. And you know, they were they were with me all the way through college. So. Now today, um, I was a big fan of Neil Diamond for a while. Neil Diamond was a big fan of Neil Diamond his way. Today, um, you know, I just I don't know, it's my favorite group. I, I enjoy good music though, and I enjoy uh, I enjoy the the gift it gives to kind of think about the words and 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 I like music that has a little bit of beat to it as well. But mm-hmm. um, so you know, I'm um because you got rhythm. Wait. Yeah, get rhythm exactly. Be rhythm. That's good. That's right. I'm, not, I'm not sure I have rhythm, but they have music. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got rhythm, you know. Um, do you have a favorite quote? Um, it might change, you know. Any quote that you well, here's one. Here's one. I well, one is um, Mark Twain said, "You never can tell the look of a frog just how far I can jump." It's about potential, and I can just picture Mark Twain seeing a frog in the Mississippi River there, basically. And, and 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 wondering how far that and that's what I think we have with people. Like married couples, I talk engaged couples, I say, how far can you jump? That's one of my favorites. Like, so they, they deal with potential like that one. Another one I've used more recently, I like basically is there's two things you have to learn basically in life. One is there is a God. The second is it's not you. <laughs> and if you learn those two things, you got you you got one of the basic lessons of life learned. That's that's a famous one. I, I take that one too. And my probably my, my most important one is always say yes, except when you except when you always say yes, except when you just can't. So you always only say no when you have to, but otherwise it's always yes. So your first your, your first um, response to people ask for something, you say yes. I can tell you, Bill, that a lot of people don't have that attitude. The first right. response is no. First response is no. It's just kind of no, I can't. No, what if you what if the response is yes, and then yes, some no's too. There's some no's, but that's not your first response, you know. And I love that about Catholic Church. We have we have T-shirts that say Catholic Church. We say yes. So those are three that I would like call those. I need one of those T-shirts. 
I think it's, I think the, the whole yes idea is a growth is a, a open mindedness or a growth, a growth mindset. Um, there's a really good book. You might've already come across it. Yes. Is the answer. What's the question? Yeah. I've seen that. I've never yeah. read it. Actually. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> I think about it a lot. Um, Number one, by saying yes, it kind of disarms the person who comes to you and he can maybe be a little nervous. He's going to get shut down. So you're, 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 you're empathetic in a way is that you're, you're, you're entering into his sort of mindset, um, his or her. Um, and then, you know, and then there's also the, also the, uh, I think there's a, a quote that goes to like, how do we get to yes? Or how do help me get to yes? <clears throat> you know? So if you're a thinker, like it can almost anything you we can, yeah, we can have a positive um, conclusion, but it might be a little bit different path than you expected. You yeah. know, the kid that says, Hey, let's go to McDonald's. Sure. But um, first we got to do some chores, something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's uh it's, it's, you're, you're right. When you say that it's amazing how many people don't are, are not necessarily yes. First. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so I find a lot of praise, frankly, you know, I hate to say, but you know, if you have an attitude of saying yes, then somebody comes, you just mentioned somebody comes to the door. Frankly, people come to us who are not Catholic. They're, they're, they're the, the future spouse of somebody who is Catholic. They're nervous. They're Jewish. They're, 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 they're you know, they're no faith at all. They're atheists. And they don't, what's this priest going to say to me? And, they, they, and if they find that basically that you're open to them, I've got, Two weddings coming up, a, a, a Jew and a Catholic coming once this next weekend, once in about three months. We're making great progress because, again, it's, well, let's work this out. Let's work with that rabbi. Let's make it work out. It can work out. Yes, make it work. In the center of uh, mo- the essence of most, I should say, the essence of most all faiths is love, right? Yeah, absolutely. We know St. John says, St. John says God is love. That's the whole deal. God is love, and that and that uh, and the t- math language is uh, if you ever seen is that means an equal sign. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that, that's pretty simple right there. Yep, these are simple <laughs> concepts. These are simple concepts that we just try to live them. That's right. Yeah, that's like the whole poster. Like everything I really needed to, to know, I learned in kindergarten. Yeah, you know they're they're uh, they're simple uh, by nature, but it can be hard in practice. Yeah. I've stolen a couple of those quotes. I've, I've, I've said, everything I've learned about God, I learned during Advent. I've used that one. Because, you know, I remember Advent as a kid, all things we did, you know, Advent wreath and and and, 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 and Chris Kringle and, and you know, Christmas crib and all. You learn a lot about God, just, you know. So a lot of times, everything, everything I've learned about God, I learned in modern day. You know, probably true. Many people, you know, everything I've learned about is important. I learned about parents' needs. It's good stuff. Um. Uh, we could. Yeah. Thanks for for doing this. We could we could wrap wrap it up. And you got a busy busy Friday. Um. But I really appreciate you you, you talking with me. Well, I enjoyed it very much. And uh, if any help else, let me know. If you need help with your uh, you know, uh, bus sack, let me know about that too. I'm sure I can help you. If you need some help. Okay. You're awesome. You I mean you live up to the idea of like saying yes. So I emailed you maybe a month ago about this thing and i'm like i don't know father john says like maybe the busy, busiest guy in dc um and you said i'd love to do it let's figure out a date you know so yeah. keep keep living exactly what you're saying uh because you're an inspiration that's the plan bill 
Thank right. you. Good work. Have a great summer. We'll see you. Have a great summer. Back at you. I hope to see you soon. Okay, Thank you. Thanks. God bless, Bill. Bye-bye. God bless. Thank you.